we are here now. We are December 1st, and we are officially launching into then our Advent series. And Advent is, is again, it's this waiting for, it's this anticipation of the coming Christ. And I've been especially excited about this Advent series because this Advent series lines up so well, like Advent itself lines up so well with core value number three for Blessed Hope Community Church. And that's what we're going to be digging into, the big five. Remember, um, we have five of these series of the big five dealing with our core values, right? And, And we are on core value number three, right? And it lines up so nicely with Advent that they just tie together so beautifully because, well, we'll get there. Let me remind you uh, that the purpose of Blessed Hope Community Church is simple. We exist to bring a hurting world the hope of Jesus Christ. That's why God has us here. That's why we minister. That's what we are about. That is at the core, the foundation. That is who we are. Right? If, if we are not about bringing Jesus to a hurting world, then we are not doing the job that God has given us. Plain and simple. And on top of that, we, we have what we would call four missional strategies. Uh, and we know that these are the things that help us pull off our mission, our purpose, the purpose of bringing Jesus uh, to a hurting world. And, and we know that there are four things. If we can engage people that call Blessed Hope Community Church home, if we can engage people in this process, that we will be well equipped for our mission, right? And it's simple. Uh, we want to encourage people to follow Jesus. That's, that makes sense, doesn't it? Right? And, and then to connect with the church, right? Because we know that these things don't happen in isolation, Right? But the discipleship and mission and bringing a hurting world the hope of Jesus doesn't happen as you sit as a hermit in your home by yourself, but it happens when you connect to the life of the church. Remember we said last week that the church is God's agency in this world to spread the gospel. That's his design. Right? And so connecting to the church, and then not just being connected to the church, not just showing up on a Sunday morning. Not just being here so that you're here when we sing and then you sneak out the doors, the last song is happening, and then, um, you know, you were here and you connected to the church, but, but it's also plugging into growth, doing what it takes to grow. It means serving. It means being in a small group. It means joining an accountability group or discipleship group or something, somehow plugging into growth. The goal of growth is so that you're different tomorrow than, than you were yesterday and, and, and that you're growing to be more like Jesus. And then finally, as we grow, we know that, that the goal there is, is not just for us to get smarter and know more about Jesus, but for us to actually live a life that's on mission, to live with purpose, right? To live with purpose. And guess what the purpose is? <laughs> to bring a hurting world, the hope of Jesus Christ, right? We know this. This is, this is the DNA of Blessed Hope Community Church. And on top of that, we have five core values. These core values set the standards. These core values determine the ministry that we do. These core values determine the way we spend our resources. These core values determine what are the things that we do so that we can get people 
to follow and connect and grow and live with purpose? And what are the things we do to bring a hurting world the hope of Jesus? And we've tackled the first two, running to keep up with Jesus, and and the second one, we'll, we'll pursue Jesus with ridiculous joy. And this series, we're dealing with core value number three, which again, lines up with Advent so well, and it's simply this, we are on a rescue mission. As a church body, we are on a rescue mission. And guess what? We're in good company because that wasn't just our mission. That's not just what we're about, but that's also why Jesus came. He tells us his purpose. Luke 19, 10, here's what Jesus says. And we're gonna look at all, we're gonna look at those first 10 verses in Luke 19 as we get into the text today. But I wanna start here. Um, The Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. That's why Jesus came. Simply. Here's what he says. The Son of Man, that's that's Jesus. He says, I came to seek and save those who are lost. That's his purpose. That's why we can unashamedly say, look, our core value uh, is that we are on a rescue mission. Because that's what Jesus was on. Jesus was here to seek and save those who are lost. Guess what? We are also on a rescue mission to seek and save those who are lost, but not with ourselves, but with the hope of Jesus, right? So this is what we're going to be digging into. The problem with this, though, is seeking and saving those that are lost is that most of us, Most of us Christians, and if you're here today and you're not a Christian, that is, you are here and you're interested, or you came because you had to, or you're just not sure quite what you believe or what it is, then I get that, and and, and you just get to be along for the ride today as you get kind of an inside look as to what the church is supposed to be about. But, But for those of you that are here and are Christians, making disciples is your mandate. It's called the Great Commission. Right? Jesus gives it in Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples. That's your job as a Christian. Right? The problem is that it's really hard to be a follower of Christ if you're not willing to make disciples. And it's really hard to make disciples if you're unwilling to talk to people who don't know Jesus about Jesus. But most of us won't. Keep going. Most of us won't. So here's the question. How can we honestly say that we're on a rescue mission if we aren't willing to talk to people about their need for Jesus? How can we do that? Like, so it's it's time for us to kind of have this conversation as a body to say, hey, hey, like if we are unwilling to do the thing that Jesus commands us to do, then can we honestly say that we're following him? And can we honestly say that we're on a mission? Because go back, go back, right? We are Christ's ambassadors. This is what we are. God tells us this. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God, right? That's what you are. You are an ambassador, right? And God is making his appeal, right, through you, Um, And we say, come back to God, right? God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for your sins so that we can be made right with God through Christ. This is the message of reconciliation. We're on a rescue mission. But it's difficult to be on a rescue mission if you won't talk to people about Jesus. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But I am going to ask you 
to do a mental exercise. When was the last time that you talked to someone, and I'm not talking about someone who already knows Jesus. When was the last time that you talked to somebody who doesn't know Jesus about Jesus? Right? When was the last time that you talked to somebody who doesn't know Jesus about Jesus? And if the answer doesn't immediately come to your mind, then I'm going to suggest that we are missing on this core value because this core value matters. Because hell is real. Jesus didn't make that up. People that we love, people that we love, without the hope of Jesus Christ are going to end up there. And so there's a couple, we've been talking about this for a couple weeks. You've got to get past the idea, listen church, I know this sucks, but you have got to get past the idea that if they believe in God and they live a good enough life, that they're going to be fine. Because that is contrary to what the Bible tells us. That is contrary to what scripture says. They need to fall on the hope of Jesus. They need to surrender to and follow Jesus. And we are on a rescue mission. And so we're going to deal with um, the way to be equipped for this mission. Because I, I, most people, what they tell me is that they don't know how. Like, well, we talked about Jesus. Who are you talking to about Jesus? What are you doing about Jesus? And most people will say, well, we just, we're not sure how to do it. We, we don't know what it is. And so I'm going to share with you five principles. Five principles straight from Jesus. Um, I know it sounds cheesy, but Jesus does. He gives us five principles for sharing himself with people that need to know. We're going we're gonna to read about them in a story that you know well. It's the story of Zacchaeus. Here's what I want you to do. Raise your hand if you know the song. Raise your hand if you want to come up here and sing the song real quick. Like, I'm not joking. Like, I'm being dead serious. Who wants to sing the song? Because he was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Climbed on top of the sycamore tree to see what he could see. Whatever, fine. You know what? Somebody in the second service is going to be like, I'll do it, and they'll come up here, and then you're all going to feel ashamed. Or probably not. Um, but here's the thing, right? We're going to talk about Zacchaeus, and there, there are 10 things that we're going to learn. We're going to break this apart, though, um, uh, in Luke 19, and, and we're going to see— um, I just did that, right? Like, we're going to talk about Zacchaeus, and we're going to see what we can see. No, I, I wasn't trying to be funny. I meant we're going to talk about this text in Luke, and we're going to see what we can see about these things. Then, then um, Jesus shares with us, and we already read it, but it's a cheat code. I know you guys play video games. I know you do. You play video games. Um, I don't anymore. But I used to play video games, and my favorite was Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. The thing is, the goal of Mike Tyson's Punch-Out was to actually punch out Mike Tyson. Right? Like, you were just you, you little skinny, scrawny guy, but you had to work your way through and get to the end where you would punch out Mike Tyson. Well, here's the problem. There was this one guy, kind of a, a, a weird racist game, but there was this one guy called Bald Bull, who, who was this, this Turkish guy. And I could never get past him. But then a buddy of mine said, hey, you don't have to. You don't have to get past him. I'm like, well, how do you get to Mike Tyson if you can't get past him? And he said, well, here, here's the cheat code. So you put in the cheat code, and then all of a sudden you go straight to the end to face Mike Tyson. Now, here's the problem. If you can't beat the Turkish bald guy, you're not going to beat Mike Tyson. 
but whatever. It was the cheat code. So we're going to look at five principles in a cheat code. Let's go on here. Luke 19.1 starts this way. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. This is the story. So Jesus, in this, he's walking. You, you know how this plays out. Jesus is, is traveling from one town to another, and, he, and he's entering Jericho, and, and he's just walking straight through town. As he's walking through town, people clamor around because they want to see him, because they've heard about the things that he's done. Some of them want to be touched because they know he does miracles. Some of them want to be forgiven of their sins because they've heard that he says, your sins are forgiven. And, and some of them are just curious because they've, they've heard all of this hubbub about this guy and they don't know what to make of it. But he's walking through town and the crowd comes. And then there is a, a, a man, a wee little man named Zacchaeus, he is the chief tax collector who has become very rich. When we say he's the chief tax collector who's become very rich, there's a couple things we know. One, tax collectors, not awesome guys. They were traitors to their people because what they did is they had the official position of taking money from you and giving it to the occupying Roman nation. On top of that, it's very difficult as a public servant, if you're doing it well, to get rich, right? If all I'm doing is making my wage to take money from here and give it to here, then I'm just making the same amount of money that every other working class Joe is making. But Zacchaeus has somehow taken this job as a public servant and he has gotten rich. He's the chief tax collector and he's become very rich, which, which tells you that he's stealing from people. He's charging more than is necessary to pay to Rome, and he's keeping it for himself, and he's giving some to Rome, and he is getting rich in the process. This is a bad dude. He's not awesome, okay? Uh, but he wants to see what this Jesus is all about, and because he's a wee little man, a wee little man was he, he climbs on top of a sycamore tree to see what he can see, and he looks out and he sees Jesus, and Jesus sees him, and Jesus has an interaction with him. But we start with this first principle, and the principle is simply this. You have to be where people are. If you are hoping to share the hope of Jesus Christ with a world that's hurting and in pain, if you are hoping, right, to be on a rescue mission, then you have to be out where people need to be rescued. Jesus is not staying with just his intimate group of 12 disciples, just hanging out, having fun with just them. He is out where people are. If you hope to be on a rescue mission to bring a hurting world the hope of Jesus Christ, then you've got to get out of your holy huddles. You have to have friends that aren't Christians. You've got to have relationships with people that need to know Jesus. You can't bring Jesus to people if you don't know people that need him. You've got to be where they are. You've got to be out where they are. Look, I love church. I love it when the church body comes together. I love small group. You're never going to get me to not go to a small group. Most semesters, I'm in several. You're never going to get me to not be plugged in with the family of God. I love being plugged in with the family of God. But listen, I don't get medals. I don't get extra points. I don't get lifted up because I do 
all of my time with church people and have absolutely no time left over to be with friends, family, coworkers, neighbors that need to know Jesus. If we are doing this well, we are connecting to the church for the, for, for the purpose of growing. Remember our missional strategies. We follow Jesus. We connect to the church so that we can grow for the purpose of living on mission. And if you're not living on mission, then it's not working. You've got to get out of holy huddles and you've got to be with people that need to know Jesus. Now listen, I don't mean you should look like people that need Jesus. I'm not saying you should engage in sin so that you can get sinners to Jesus, right? Fish don't catch fish. Fishermen catch fish. But they got to be where fish are. You, you got to have relationships. I mean, if I asked you right now to write down, like, what are your, what are your relationships like with 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 people outside the church? Like, who do you know that needs to know Jesus? And, and not just know their name, but who are you close with? Who have you had lunch with? Who have you had coffee with? Who have you, you, you gone to a ball game with? Who, who do you work out with? Who have you, you shot hoops with? Whatever it is, like, who do you have? Like, if you can't put people on that list, then before we even get started with the other four principles, you're missing. Right? You got to be where lost people are. If you hope to rescue some, then you're going to have to get out of the comfort of your safety zone. Let's keep going. There was a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. He had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. Here's another principle for you. You're like, okay, well, I have all of these relationships with all of these people that don't know Jesus. What next? Focus on the ones that are interested. Right? Like, like focus on people that are interested. Can I, can I give you just a quick principle here, just a side note? You can't be somebody's Holy Spirit. There's a lot of you that would like to be somebody's Holy Spirit. There's somebody you know, and you're like, oh, they need Jesus. And so I'm going to do everything I can. Listen, all you do is share Jesus. You can't be somebody's Holy Spirit. Look, look at John. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. This is Jesus talking. This is even Jesus. If Jesus can't do this without God and the Holy Spirit, guess what? Neither can you. It says, nobody can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. So you know what? You're out like Jesus. You're walking where people are. You're where people are. And, 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 and there's a word that you should get comfortable with here. You have to be winsome, right? You know what winsome means, right? Like, you have to be appealing. I'm not saying you have to, you have to be the most engaging, life-of-the-party person that, that walks in a room, but you have to be winsome. If you are crotchety and nasty, I don't care how many people you're around, you're not going to get anybody to Jesus. Right? If you are mean and hard to get along with, if you are complaining about everything, if there is nothing about your life that looks appealing, you are never going to get anybody to Jesus. But Jesus is walking through town, and people want to be there. They clamor around. Zacchaeus is so curious, he climbs a tree just so he can see what this guy's all about. Right? When you're out with people, when you are where lost people are, people that need rescued, when you put yourself in those situations, 
some of them are going to be interested for more. There's a skill that we have to learn, and it's how to enter into spiritual conversations without being a jerk. Right? How do we start talking about spiritual things without being a jerk? Sometimes it's as simple as talking about our experience. Like, here's what I'm learning in my group. Here's what God's telling me as I study the Word. Here's what we've been talking about at church lately. Here's, here's, here's a way, a, a worship song that has really been moving me. Like, all of these things. There's ways to enter into spiritual conversations without being a jerk. Without starting with, man, you suck, and let me tell you why. Right? We enter into spiritual conversations. We're winsome, and that will draw some people. They'll, they'll take the bait. They'll, they'll bite the hook. They'll ask for more. And when they ask for more, like when they climb a tree to see you, that's when you engage. Keep going. Three, evangelize. This is a scary word. But when they want more, when you are out where they are, and you're winsome, and they show some interest, then guess what? Don't wait. Evangelize. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus. He obviously was out where people were. He obviously was winsome. He obviously saw that Zacchaeus was interested. He climbed a tree, and so he stops, and he looks up at Zacchaeus, and he called out by his name, Hey, Zacchaeus, come down. Quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. I'm not suggesting you go this route. You're out, you're talking to your neighbor, you're talking about, like, here's something I've been learning in small group, here's what God's been working in my heart, you know, here's how God's been moving in my life, and they're like, oh, really, that's interesting. You're like, hey, guess what? I'm coming to your house for dinner. Put the steaks on. Coming. Right? But this works for Jesus, because what Jesus is wanting to give Zacchaeus is himself. What we're wanting to give people is Jesus. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Here's the deal. As we work our way through this passage, if you're out where people are and you're being winsome and they show interest, listen to me. Tell them what they need to know. And many of you here, when I say evangelize, it freaks you out. You're like, no. Billy Graham does that. Maybe the pastor and the elders, but I don't evangelize. Because evangelize to you is this weird word that you're not quite sure exactly what it means, but you're pretty sure it means knocking on doors and asking people if they died today, if they know for sure where they'd be spending eternity. It's not what evangelism is. Evangelism is this simple thing where you tell people about yourself. You're like, but Matt, I don't know enough to evangelize. Yes, you do. Here's the, here's the thing. If you know enough to become a Christian, then you know enough to tell other people about Christ. Because how do you become a Christian? You know, man, I was lost. I was destitute. I was burdened by sin and shame and guilt. Jesus died for me and set me free and now my life makes sense and I'm trying to follow him listen that's the gospel if you know enough to respond to the gospel if you know enough to know that you need a savior and that Jesus changes your life and now you're living your life to the glory of Jesus and that means everything is going to be okay then you know enough to tell other people about Jesus if you are here this morning and you say, yes, I am a follower of Christ, then guess what? You also should be someone who is an evangelist. 
I don't care if you use the word or not. But simply put, you should be someone who is out there telling people about Jesus. Are there people that are especially gifted in that? Yes. But guess what? That doesn't put you off the hook. It doesn't give you a pass. Right? Are there missionaries? Absolutely there's missionaries, and it's great, but it doesn't mean you never have to tell people about Jesus. Here's where I was. Here's what Jesus did for me. And now here's who I am. It's simple. We complicate it. Well, I don't know enough theology. I don't know enough about the rapture. I don't know enough about end times. And I can't figure out this whole creation thing. You know what? Stop it, stop it, stop it. You're muddying the water. You're muddying the water. Stop it. Here's what you need to know. I was lost. Now I'm found. And you tell people your story. That's what Jesus does. And as soon as he sees an opening, he says, Zacchaeus, you care. You climbed a tree to see me. Guess what? I'm coming to your house today. And I'm going to tell you all about it. We keep going. Principle four, we do it even when it's uncomfortable or dangerous. Get this, Luke 19, 7. But as soon as Jesus says, hey, Zacchaeus, come on down. I must have lunch with you today. I'm coming to your house. You're preparing me food. We're going to sit down. We're going to eat together. I'm going to answer every question you ever had about the God of the universe, and I'm going to tell you what you need to be right. And this is the plan, but, but people were displeased. You know who was displeased here? Religious people. They were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Notorious even. Like, not just a regular sinner. Like we're all regular sinners. This guy's a notorious sinner. Right? He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, so they're displeased, and they grumbled against Jesus. Guys, this is one of the reasons they killed him later on. But here's what I want to tell you. People always grumbled about Jesus when he brought the gospel to people that needed to know it. When he took a hurting world, the hope of himself, people always complained and grumbled. And guess what? He didn't care. You can't either. You can't either. You're like, but, but you know what? It's dangerous when I do this. Like, it causes tension in my family. It's hard because I don't want to ruin that relationship. And maybe the person will be receptive, but maybe they'll just hate me because they think I'm being judgy. And, and I don't even know what to do, and I'm not sure how to do it. And you know what? It's uncomfortable, and it's weird, and it's awkward. I don't care. And neither did Jesus. People grumbled and argued and eventually killed him. But he didn't care. And if we are going to be on a rescue mission to bring a hurting world the hope of Jesus, then guys, we can't care either. And sometimes this goes even past that danger just to the awkwardness of what will people think if they see me sitting here having this conversation? Right? Like, we say we're a church for everybody. I mean, are we really a church for everybody? Like, like, if we're a church for everybody and the hurting and the outcast and the lost and the broken and everybody, why aren't we out there saying, hey, we know what you need? Come on. But we do it even when it's uncomfortable or dangerous. Listen, this is the mission. Boldly love people where they're at, no matter what. This means sometimes we have to put ourselves in awe. And also, this means sometimes that, that you need to be in 
but not of, right? So, so let me say this, like, like God needs Christians that know how to drink. When I say that, I mean God needs Christians that know how to have a drink without getting drunk, right? right? God needs Christians that, that, that know how to engage in secular world, right? Like, oh, it's great to be a pastor. It's great to be a missionary. You know, God needs Christians that know how to engage in secular business world without stooping to secular business practices. Like, God needs Christians that can be there, but still be salt and light. I mean, this is, this is just a necessary thing. Is it uncomfortable sometimes? Absolutely. Do we care? We shouldn't. Jesus didn't. They always grumbled at him. He didn't care. It's kind of a, a point of pride for me when some people, you know, when I meet people and we have conversations, and, and after a while, they're like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm a pastor. And they're like, oh, I never would have guessed you were a pastor. I'm like, good, right? Because we're not weird. We're normal people for the most part. I mean, we're weird, but we're no, I am no weirder than I was when I was a school counselor, right? It's just, it's a, you know, we got off track. Anyway, it doesn't bother me when people say that, but I remember a time when I was, te- when I was an elementary school counselor and I was working and, and I asked a group of people because I was being bold and I was challenged at small group, small group, and, and they're like, hey, you need um, to, to be more bold. And so I, I asked a couple of teacher, uh, teachers, I'm like, hey, what would you guys think about having a Bible study uh, once a week before school starts? And their response was this, oh, and it cut me to the core. Their response was this, oh, do you want to know more about Jesus? It's like, no, I, I know all about Jesus. Like, I want you to know more about Jesus. And they're like, oh, we had no idea you were a Christian. Like, that's a problem. That's a problem, right? So I'm not saying that you act like the rest of the world, right? Again, fish don't catch fish. Fishermen catch fish. I'm not saying you act like the rest of the world, but, but I am saying that you engage people where they are. And where they are is awkward and uncomfortable. Last one. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said to the Lord, he's talking, he's not talking to the crowd, he's talking to Jesus. I will give half my wealth to the poor, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this house today, for this man has shown himself to be the son of Abraham. Here's the last principle that I need you to know about this. Here's what it is. The end result isn't up to you. And on one hand, that should be liberating. On the other hand, it's terribly frustrating. But I want you to understand this. You can't will people to salvation. All you can do is very clearly do your part and show them the way. It goes back to John 6, 44, right? God will call. God has to put that desire in their heart. But ultimately, it's on you to do your part. Their response is up to them. And that gives you some freedom. It should give you some freedom that you don't have to worry about the score sheet. You don't have to worry about the tallies. You don't have to worry about success or not. You just have to do your part. I mean, good research tells us anyway um, that it takes seven times for people to hear the gospel before they will respond to the gospel right? Whether this is time one, two, five, seven, doesn't matter to you. You just do what God's put in front of you. And here's the thing. If you are faithful to what God gives you, 
and you are winsome and you are where lost people are and, and you are engaging with the gospel and evangelizing when they show interest, then here's the thing. I guarantee you he's going to put ripe fruit in front of you. This is our mission. If I ask this question, I'm going to imagine that the answer is going to be I'm, I'm going to ask it. You don't have to raise your hand again because it's going to get awkward. But if I were to ask you to raise your hand, I would imagine that the response would be low. It would be way low. It would, the, the person that raises their hand here would be the anomaly when they really should be the norm. But the question is this. If, if I were to ask, like, like, raise your hand if you've led somebody to Christ. See, and, and, and if I ask a question like that in a church like this, it should be yes, because I've been faithful to do the things that God's given me, and God keeps putting ripe fruit in front of me, and so we keep seeing people come to know Jesus. Like, that should be the norm for the Christian. Instead, we think about that, and we think that's weird, and it's only a select few people that have that gift, but that's the expectation for me. It's the expectation for you. It's the expectation for all of us, is that we should be on a rescue mission to bring a hurting world the hope of Jesus Christ. This is in our DNA. And guess what? We have the cheat code. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. The God of the universe is on this mission with you. The creator and sustainer of all things. The one who gives breath the one who upholds everything by his very thought. He is actually on this mission with you. He is leading the charge. It's kind of a cheat code. Back when I used to play um, Contra, who played Contra, like on the old Nintendo? You know, the DNA activated one because you had to blow in it to get it to work. You know the cheat code, right? Who knows it? Up, up, down, down. Left, right, left, right. Be a start. You get 30 guys. You don't need 30 guys. You just need one because Jesus is with you on this one, right? This is the ultimate cheat code, right? Jesus is leading the charge. Some of you are jonesing to go home and play Contra right now, aren't you? I get it. I may skip the second service. I won't do that. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. So this is it. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do it with gentleness and respect, but don't shy away from it. Always be prepared. Always. Your hope is Jesus. People have questions. I get that. People want to talk about things. They, they want to argue about stuff. They, they, you know, you think you don't know enough. I get it, but here's what you know. I have hope. Here's my hope. My hope is Jesus. This is all it takes to share the gospel, it is, is to hold on to this hope that you have. Always be prepared at any time to give an answer to anyone who asks for the reason and the hope that you have. And the hope that you have is Jesus Christ. The hope that you have, frankly, is Christmas. It's Advent. Because this is exactly what Advent is all about. This is exactly what Christmas is for. We were hopelessly lost. And the God of the universe ripped open the curtain of time, stepped into human history. It's this grand thing called the incarnation where God becomes flesh. He is born. 
he grows and lives a perfect, sinless life. Why? So that he can give us hope. And he, he lays it down on our behalf. And then he conquers death with the resurrection. He, he dies as a sacrifice for our sin, our wrongdoing. And then he bursts forth from the grave so that we can be made free. Listen, the hope that we have that's in us is this grand combination of Christmas and the cross. That's our hope. God stepping into human history so that he could live a perfect life, so that he could die on our behalf. And as he burst forth from the grave, that we could be made new. We could be made new. That's the hope that's in you if you're a Christian. That's the hope we celebrate as we celebrate communion. And we're going to celebrate communion here in a second. And I want to remind you that, that here at Blessed Hope Community Church, we practice open communion. You do not have to be a member of the church to participate in communion. All we ask is that you be a follower of Jesus. This is a table for those that, that follow Jesus Christ. If you're not a believer in Jesus and, and you want to talk more about that with me, I would love to talk to you after the service. I'll sit right up here and, and we can have a conversation about what it means to surrender your life to Jesus. But if you are a follower of Jesus, and I would encourage you, this communion table is for you, okay? And, and this is what we do. We're celebrating the fact that Jesus was on a rescue mission. Ask the men to come forward, praise team. And uh, as we do this, it, it's a pretty simple process. Like some of you are like, where's communion? It's not there because the Advent thing, it's over here, okay? So it's a pretty simple process, right? On the night he was betrayed, um, Jesus took the bread and he broke the bread and he passed it around to his disciples and they, they took the bread and he said, here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to eat this bread and I want you to understand that as you eat the bread, it represents my body that is going to be broken for you. And that's exactly what happened on the cross. See, the hope that we have, the hope of Christmas is the Savior who was going to let his body be broken for us. And so as you come and as you take the bread, what you're doing is, is you're partaking in the body of Christ in, in this fact that you have hope because Jesus gave up his life for you, that you can be sinless, not because of the good things that you've done and because you're good enough, but because he took your sin on himself. And in the same way, we're told he poured the cup and he passed the cup around. He said, drink this, drink this. And, and, and remember, it's, it's the blood that's poured out for you. It's the new covenant. It's this picture. He says, my blood is the seal, right? My body is broken for you to take the sin and I'm gonna burst forth from the grave and my blood is going to be the ultimate cover for sin. And it's going to usher in this new covenant where you, in me, will be right with God. Listen, if you want to be right with God, there is one way and one way only. And it is to fall on the hope of Jesus Christ. He and he alone will forgive you of your sins. He and he alone has conquered death. And it is through him and not just believing in him, but turning your life over to him. See, Zacchaeus believed, but he also turned his life over. He said, okay, yeah, come have lunch with me, but also, man, I am gonna now enter onto a path to make everything right, to follow Jesus, right? I'm forgiven, now I need to live 
in a way that honors Jesus. So it's trusting him to take my sin and it's turning my life over to him. It's a simple exchange and it's hard to live out. That's why we strive every day to live in a way that honors Jesus. But that's what we celebrate. So we're going to pray. I'm going to ask you to come forward, take the elements back to your seats, um, and we will take them together as we, uh, again, officially are entered into Advent, and we understand that the coming of Jesus was all about salvation and the cross. Like, I love the baby in the manger. I'm a big fan of the baby in the manger. I like Christmas, right? But this was just getting us ready for Easter. It was just getting us ready for the cross. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for everything that you've done for us. God, you are gracious and kind. We thank you that that you came to seek and save those who were lost and that in that seeking and saving those who were lost, Lord, that, that you gave up your life that your body was broken for us and and that your blood was spilled for us and that you conquered death. And and Father, we thank you that that in our new life in you that you've given us the same mandate to be on a rescue mission. Father, help us remember that as as we take communion together. God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. Amen.